Hey everybody, welcome into the latest edition of the MLB Extras Nationals podcast. Tim McMaster here with Jamal Collier, our Nationals reporter. We're going to talk about the starting rotation, really the strength of this Nationals team, a team with a lot of strengths, but you got to love this starting rotation, so we'll get into that. And then at the end of the podcast, we'll also hear from Carter Keboom. He was at the Rookie Career Development Program earlier this month. Uh, he sat down with Jonathan Mayo for an interview, so we'll hear a little bit of that as well, the future second baseman of this team, whose time may be delayed a little bit by the signing of Brian Dozier. But let's start uh, before we get to those two topics, let's start with the latest on Bryce Harper because I think we're contractually obligated to do that, Jamal. <laughs> um, so the ups and downs of the Bryce Harper saga, as far as Nationals fans go, kind of took a downturn this week after the Phillies met with him on Saturday. And by all accounts, those meetings went really well. So what does this mean for the Nationals? Because suddenly people are saying the Phillies are the favorites, but at the end of the day, I feel like nobody really knows what's going on, um, and it's all a lot of rumors at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. <laughs> at this point, I, th- I think that you wonder how much of the Phillies kind of being painted as a favorite. It's just they were the most recent team to kind of meet with him, um, and I think that th- that would be the thing if you're looking for Nationals fans, a reason to kind of draw positives to say that, uh, one, that um, th- as far as we know, there's still no formal offer on the table. And I think that, you know, by all accounts, Prince's meeting went well. The Phillies feel good about where they are uh, with him. And, and, you know, they have really real interest and real kind of a, are going to make a real push for Bryce. And I think that those things are, are have, we've known that like for a while here, um, you know, whether or not they truly do shift their sights from Machado and, and kind of focus on Harper here, it kind of remains to be seen. But, you know, the Phillies, the Phillies are going to be, you know, if not the, the, the probably main player with the Nationals in, in this kind of uh, the bidding for Harper. And I think that that's probably my biggest takeaway from it is that, you know, those two teams are, are going to be the favorites. And, and we've, we've talked about how unclear and how uncertain so many things have been, has been this winter as far as you know, regarding Harper, I think that right now with certainty, and obviously there's still time for the teams to jump in or, you know, the proverbial mystery teams or whatever, but right now it seems that Harper, uh, you know, most likely Philadelphia and DC seem to be the kind of the two teams that, you know, had the most interest, had the most, uh, or the, the most interest in, in bringing him, you know, to play for him them next season and, and beyond. So, um, yeah, you know, another kind of twist in this, this kind of never ending free agent saga here. Um, and it just, I've been thinking a lot about whether or not what Bryce Harper in a Phillies uniform looks like. You know, and think about him hitting in that ballpark and, and him playing in front of those fans. And, um, you know, I just, I'm just i just kind of curious to see, obviously, the guy would be in the division playing against the Nationals quite a bit, uh, you know, the rest of his career. Just whether or not that is uh, – it's, it's kind of just weird to picture that. I think that's kind of where I'm at, just thinking about what that may actually look like. But, um, yeah, another another twist here that it seems like now the Phillies are the kind of the most likely or at least the favorite destination uh, for Bryce Harper right now if you had to kind of handicap it today. Yeah, and this winding road doesn't seem like the end is is necessarily in sight yet no. either. Do you think this is going to be a situation where it just feels like it's drawing out, drawing out, drawing out, and then suddenly it's over? Or will there be – do you think there's actually going to be um, constructive rumors that kind of let us know that this is building to a close? I, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had an answer. And I, you know, and I, I think that everybody, and myself included, kind of are, are wondering that. I mean, it seems – Still, and I'll say this, that nobody in the Harper camp or nobody in this process expects it to be, uh, they don't seem in a rush still. And even, even though we are here now a little less than a month uh, before spring training and, and, and such, that I think that 
they still know that they want to make sure they get the offer they want, that the deal they want, um, and make sure that he's at Harper lands in a spot that he wants. And I, I would be surprised, even though the clock is somewhat ticking for spring training, if they change their tenor on that a lot. If, if Boris and Harper and company are in, are motivated to do something quickly until they get the deal that, that they want or where they believe is the best deal. So, you know, I mean, that, that means if the Nationals had made, if they, they, they get an offer from the Phillies, I expect them somewhat to kind of take that back to the Nets and say, all right, what can you do with this? And then maybe, maybe you know, if they have, if there are other teams involved, the White Sox or, or maybe whatever, kind of a team flying under the radar, potentially that they still can can kind of match, you know, give a chance for those teams to match or to, 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 to um, you know, kind of present their best offer before they they kind of sign one of them so i still just think that they 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 know what they want and i don't think that harper and, and boris and company don't seem like they're panicking to make a decision that that soon um so that's all to say this thing could end relatively quickly because we know how quickly things can move in free agency and in the offseason but i i still feel like these two sides and especially the, the harper harper and company um you know they're, they're gonna wait till they get the deal that they want and they're, they're kind of inclined to do that Pitchers and catchers report in less than a month, so it has to end eventually. And you would think free agents of that caliber, Harper and and Machado as well, they're going to sign before spring training. I would think. We'll see. Uh, We we certainly will see. We saw J.D. Martinez and and such last year that those guys signed too. And I think, um, you know, I I think everybody kind of hopes that this thing could get wrapped up in in the next month. I'm sure the Nats would like to know more concretely what their team is going to look like and maybe what other kind of things they have to do. Um, you know, throughout the, before they get to West Palm Beach. But um, yeah, I, you know, at, at this point, I've started to reserve myself that there is a chance that this thing could, could kind of drag on a little bit longer just because, um, again, these, these guys might just be waiting for the exact offer, the exact kind of perfect scenario that they want and uh, don't don't be, don't seem inclined to rush on it right now. So, um, you know, I hope, I hope Tim, I know we've, we've talked about it, you know, a lot here on this podcast about exactly what's going to happen with, with Harper and his future. And, and you know, we hope that somewhere soon here where we're kind of getting toward an end. I'm impressed by the patience on all sides because I don't know if I'd be able to do it and stay calm through this whole saga. But there, oh, I, uh, I certainly wouldn't. I'm barely staying <laughs> calm right now, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Boris is the master. That is certainly uh, the case. All right, let's move on to the starting rotation. And I guess my first question for you is, is this the best starting rotation in baseball? Hmm. Um, I- I'm inclined to say no. Okay. Um, and I, I, I think I think it has a case to be one of the best in the National League. I mean, I think that, the, you know, I'm just off the top of my head, the Astros pitching staff obviously was so good. And they lost some guys. Keiko and Gordon will be gone. Uh, but, you know, they've been just so good for so long. And I think their top is still as good as, as what the Nationals can be. The, the Indians, we keep talking, they're talking about whether or not they'll trade somebody. But right now they haven't. I think that rotation is still as good. Um, I think, you know, what I'm talking about is, is these kind of semantics here. They're one of the maybe three or four best. And I think they have a chance to be in that conversation. I think that that is, and that is what the Nationals wanted. You know, the starting pitching staff, as I've said a couple of times um, before, is just, it's, it's what their backbone is. It's, it's what they want to build this team and how they want the foundation of this team to be, you know, to go through the starting pitching staff. And, and, and you know, the fact that that should be, it was not a strength for them last year, was one of the top reasons they believe that they did not, you know, end up where they wanted to be at the end of the season. And I think adding Patrick Corbin is just going to be a huge boost. I mean, even if you do have to miss Strasburg for some time, if he gets injured or whatever, you just have another ace to kind of pair along with Max Scherzer. I think that Anibal Sanchez could be a pretty big upgrade at, at number four over what Tanner Roark 
gave you basically for the last two years. Um, I think that where they're going to struggle and why I'm a little skeptical on them is their, their, their depth is not there. Um, they really can't afford any kind of significant injuries. Joe Ross will probably be the fifth starter right now. After that, you've got Eric Fetty, you know, the top pitching prospect who's had kind of mixed results and not a whole, whole lot. Um, you know, as far as the seven, eight, nine guys in the, this rotation. And we've seen time and time again that you need seven or eight starters to get through a season. And I just don't know if the Nets currently had that. I think they are going to invite some people to spring training, maybe get some veterans in on minimum contracts or just kind of whatever you can do to, to, to have some guys compete and fill out that depth. But um, as currently constructed, I think the top of this rotation is as good and can hold a candle to anybody. But the rest of the rotation, I think, still has some question marks that I wonder how much they'll be able to hold up over a full six months. But um, I say I like to say, Tim, this is this is going to be a really good rotation. I think it should be the, the strength of one of you know, if not if not the strength, one of the strengths of this of this entire ball club. You mentioned Strasburg and the injuries, and it's almost like at this point you kind of expect at some point. Uh, he's going to spend some time on the disabled list. Last time he made 30 starts in a season was back in 2014. Uh, last year he threw 130 innings. Uh, he was good in them, 10-7, and 3-7-4 ERA, 22 starts overall. Um, has the team at all over this time um, changed the approach to Strasburg, how they deal with him? Is it pretty much the same year in year? Obviously there's the famous – you know, his rookie year when he got shut down. But right. but since then, um, you know, how do they do their best to keep him healthy? You know, this is something that I think that it's a constant struggle with them and with him as well. I mean, you know, I think I wrote a story maybe at some point last year, going into last year, that he's sort, he's sort of the last couple of years kind of been constantly reinventing himself or constantly just kind of trying to tweak things to to find better ways to stay healthy. I mean, whether that been, you know, you know, he's, remember he did the wind up, uh, you know, maybe a year or two back now at this point, he, he stopped throwing, he, he was throwing that slider for a while last year. And he thought that was the reason why he got him two seasons ago. He thought that got him hurt. So he cut down on the slider this past year. He just does a lot of little things, whether it be in his weight, his weight training is in, in between starts to try to figure out exactly what the math is. And I think that this it goes to show you that there's just no exact science of how to keep a pitcher healthy. It's just sometimes things happen and, and, and get out of their control and, especially with him, it seems. But, you know, I, I'm curious to see what we get to a point. You know, I always like think about the, the Dodgers or think about a, a team like that, that, you know, for a pitcher like Rich Hill, and, and you see a little bit different, and obviously a huge age difference than what Strasburg was, but the Dodgers don't really expect Rich Hill to, to make 35 starts next year. You know, I think that they are on the mindset of we can get 24, 25, or whatever it is out of Rich Hill and have him healthy at the end and ready to pitch important games in the playoffs, we'll take that. I think the Nationals are slowly getting to that point with Strasburg where, you know, he may have to spend a month in the DL. He may have to spend a couple of a weeks, whatever it is, to kind of make sure you get him right or reset the, at the middle of the season. But if we can get this guy on or on the mound for 20-some starts and we can get him healthy at the end and we can see what he, does, what he did in the playoffs when he's healthy and kind of on a roll, um, you know, back in, in 2017, I think that that's what they want to live for is just make sure they get the, the most out of Strasburg's innings. If that's not going to be 220 innings, I think that that's fine. I think it can be 160 or whatever it might be. We want to make sure that those innings are being utilized in the right way. I mean, and, and also that he's healthy down the stretch and into the playoffs when the, we're playing our most important games, because we've seen time and time again, when he's on the mound, he can be one of, if not the best pitcher in the National League. And I think that they're just trying to figure out how best do we make sure he gets through the entire season and get him to get him to September and October so he can kind of be excelling at the kind of the peak of his powers. 
you do like to have some guys that can go to that magical 200 inning mark. And you have Max Scherzer, who threw 220 and two-thirds last year, 300 strikeouts in that stretch. And Patrick Corbin hit 200 on the dot last year. So you do have a couple of guys who can be those inning eaters and dominant as well. Um, it doesn't seem like Max Scherzer has shown really any signs of even slowing down at this point, Jamal. You'd think at some point maybe the strikeout numbers come down and he has to kind of pitch in different ways, but he's still the same dominant guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's somewhat remarkable. I mean, you know, every year he starts, he comes out and he talks about uh, the way he's going to get better. It's one of the things that I'll you know probably tackle before spring training and definitely once we get to West Palm Beach is how Max plans to get better again this this next year, and it's it's a challenge that is somewhat uh, it's just kind of fascinating to watch this kind of guy at the top of his game really not be satisfied and, and, and go and look at his 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 arsenal and look at his his his, his uh, you know his his year and, and the way he pitches and says all right how can how can I improve <laughs> and it's it's you know just to be a fly on the wall or just even to talk to him about that process and see like what ways is he trying to get even better than he was the year before and and, and, and you know by some measures he's continued to do that you know, reaching 300 strikeouts for the first time last year I think was huge I mean, coming off the two Cy Youngs of uh, the years before that I think he just it is somewhat remarkable and I think that you know when you think about this team eventually Father time, you know, eventually Father Time is undefeated and going to catch up to him, uh, you would think. But, you know, as, as long as Max is pitching at the level that he is, and if that continues for another year or two or whatever um, it may be, the Nats really want to make sure they take advantage of that. And that's why I think, again, the starting staff and, they, and why they put so much into the starting rotation is that they said, okay, we got, you know, possibly the best pitcher in the National League or, or one of, and a guy who just kind of consistently is putting up these these Hall of Fame, you know, style numbers here year in and year out. What can we do to make sure we don't waste that and make sure we kind of get the best out of him and, and utilize him in the best way? Um, and it just, it's just kind of remarkable to watch just how good Max has been and how steady he's been and how much he still is kind of not satisfied with that and, and, and trying to find ways to even take his game to a, another level. I think that, um, you know, what Max Scherzer is going to do is kind of one of the top – top things on my list for next year of why, you know, what as far as be excited for this next, next, next season. You mentioned the question marks down the bet, the bottom of this rotation. Yeah. Joe Ross made just three starts last year, all in September coming back from the injury. Uh, oh, and two and ERA just over five. And then Eric Fetty is, is interesting to me because this is a guy who is considered a pretty good prospect made 11 starts last year. The numbers weren't great. Um, what is it about Eric Fetty? How has he not been able to kind of, reach the the I guess heights that were somewhat expected when he was coming up as a prospect yeah the numbers last year actually I don't think did him a a certain like it didn't accurately represent I thought what I saw I thought he was a little bit better last year than he had been the biggest thing for him one is is the injuries I mean every time one of that you know he had kind of been bouncing up and down the minors based on when they needed him but last year when Strasburg got hurt and Ellison got hurt there was a chance for him to start every day and then you know Fetty also got hurt so I think anytime he's able to kind of get to the majors and get settled and maybe start building off start after start or maybe has a good start, you know, he's having some kind of injury or something that's hampering him that's not really letting him get comfortable and get on a roll. And I think that that is, you know, more than anything, I just don't think he's really had time to get into majors and figure it out. Um, you know, he's had a handful of stars, but they've been spot stars. They've been, like I said, they've been coming off injuries. They've been starting in September. And I think that, uh, it's difficult because it's a team that obviously has aspirations for World Series and division titles and, and, and things that they can't, can't afford for him to learn on the fly. But, um, you know, I think that staying healthy is, is probably the biggest thing for him, that just to be able to 
be out there and to take the mound every fifth day and get into some kind of rhythm, I think would also help him. Um, and he's also got to be more consistent. I mean, he at times will not throw strikes or won't challenge hitters or or, or just just certain little things that that um, you know when he lets too many walks in or hasn't thrown a ball to the middle of the plate when he falls behind, then all of a sudden you know he falls and gets into trouble. So you know, I think that they still feel optimistic about him, and I still think that in the future they feel like he can be a kind of steady rotation piece. But what, what he's going to be in 2019 is a question mark, and I think that. You know, for a team, again, short on starting pitching depth, it's it's kind of a, a, a difficult situation to be in to, to not know exactly what you're going to get from Fetty if he's ready to take that next step or not. Yeah, he could really be a huge part of the story of this team if he can get things yeah. going, that is for sure. Jamal, great stuff as always. Thank you. Hey, thanks a lot, Tim. As always, great information from Jamal on this Nationals team that looks primed to have a great 2019 with or without Bryce Harper. With Brian Dozier now locked in at second base, Number two prospect Carter Keeboom will likely spend most of the season in the minors. He was at the Rookie Career Development Program in Miami the first weekend of January. It's a program where players from all 30 clubs who are close to the big leagues go and learn life lessons from former players, also some coaches. They basically learn off-the-field stuff. It's not about the game. It's about how to live your life away from the game. That is how to be on social media, how to stay out of trouble, how to be around the clubhouse with the veteran players and the clubhouse attendants, all those little things that you probably don't think of much on your way up, but they are important things. Um, Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline was down there at the RCDP. He sat down with Carter. Let's listen to some of that interview. You know, I think it's at the end of the day, we're here to kind of learn how to be a professional and there's not one way to do it. There's a lot of ways to do it. And I think that's what we've, we've been told here is that, be who you are, and there's no one way to really go about it. You have the, the benefit, obviously, of having a brother who's got the you know, same, same process. How, how much is that beneficial to you, just a, a sounding board for someone who knows exactly what you're going through? It's huge. I mean, we, we talk about uh, what professionals are like and what the big leaguers are like, and I've been fortunate, fortunate enough to basically live with one and work out with one every single day. Um, and I know he's a prof- he's, he is a professional, and he's a professional at what he does, and he's a great, great person I can look at, role model myself after and, and watch what he does. And uh, to have him is huge, I mean, at the end of the day. You had, uh, by all counts, a really successful 2018. You made it up to AA, Futures game, played in the Fall League. Do you take any time to sort of look back and say, all right, that was pretty good, and, and, and how quickly do you turn the page and say, all right, let's, let's get to work on 2019? Uh, I don't really look back. I mean, I think, I remember I do every year, I, you, you, have, you have checkpoints and you have stuff that you want to accomplish throughout the year. Um, and, you know, if I look back uh, briefly, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I accomplished a lot of the things I, I wanted to accomplish. And biggest one was always just stay healthy and, and uh, be on the field as much as you can. And then, but you know, you can't, I don't like to look in, look in the mirror and look too far ahead. So I try to just look at what's in front of me. And, um, and right now that's, that's just prepare for spring training and get my body in the best shape and uh, make sure I'm in great health uh, for, for this long season coming up. Thanks to Jonathan and Carter Keeboom for doing the interview. And thank you to Jamal Collier as well. You can find Jamal on Twitter at Jamal Collier. And I'm there at MLB underscore McMaster. This podcast, all of our MLB Extras Club podcasts can be found at MLB.com backslash podcast. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Google Play as well. That'll do it for this edition of our Nationals pod. Thank you for listening.